For those who fish, this is the Drake cast. He was tying feathers on a hook. I'll do a hopper with a hopper dropper with a dropper hopper. The river was like a woman. Could be a disco midge, it could be a bead head. I'm your host, Elliot Adler. This episode of the Drake Cast is sponsored by our friends at Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures. I called up Tom Melvin, Yellow Dog's director of sales, to chat about a trip he just got back from. So I went up north in Canada, all the way up to the Northwest Territories, kind of right below the Arctic Circle. We were running around the jet boats and also utilizing float plane aircraft fishing for some of the largest lake trout, archar, and grayling you can find you know, anywhere in the world. It's a great trip for the anglers that are looking to really head to a, a truly kind of remote, untouched portion of Canada and just be able to see kind of that, that country and that environment so close to the Arctic Circle is, is very unique. It's an unbelievable experience, something I'd highly recommend to anybody. Give us a call here at Yellow Dog or visit us online at yellowdogflyfishing.com. And remember, while there's a lot of ways to get there, there's only one way to do it right. We're also sponsored by the good folks at Scott Fly Rods. I grew up using my grandpa's old fly fishing gear that was from the 80s. And when I bought my first fly rod of my own, I did a bunch of research and ended up going with a 9.5 foot, 8 weight Scott Radiant. I love that rod. And it's still my go-to for salmon, steelhead, and anything warm water. This February, I snapped the tip off while on the White River, and Scott had it back to me in three weeks. If you're looking for high-quality rods that lend themselves well to overly sentimental attachment and great customer service, look no further than Scott Fly Rods. Check them out at scottflyrod.com. Alrighty, onto the show. A couple months ago, I found myself driving through northern Arkansas. I wound my way up some back roads and then up a super steep driveway to the home of an Australian man that I had heard of but never met before. Hello. Is this the Daly residence? I was here to meet Steve Daly, the manager of Daly's Ozark Fly Fisher in Cotter, Arkansas. How are you? Good man, yourself? How are you doing? doing well. It's a pleasure meeting you. That's great. Oh, hey, bud. Madison Riddler. It would have been Henry's Fork, but that is a really stupid name for a female dog. (laughs) And the reason I was there is because, believe it or not, northern Arkansas is home to a pretty unique trout fishery, which is the White River. Cheers. Over a beer, Dally told me about the river. When he started guiding on the White in the mid-2000s, the river was kind of boring. Like every other guide in the country, taking people who don't fish very much out and catching fish and showing them a good time. Most of the year, that involves us catching stocker rainbows because they put in 1.1 million rainbows a year into this river and there's a five fish limit and people come from all over the south, they'll catch those fish and take them home and it's legit. And personally, stock rainbow trout taste like shit. <laughs> I mean, they're pasty and they're not good. But these days, Dally and his crew aren't really chasing those pasty rainbows anymore. We're tracing trophy fishes, it's hard. And that's all you're trying to get. You're trying to catch trophies. You're trying to catch some fish of a lifetime. And, and it is bloody hard. It'll kick your ass. It's physical. Big flies hurt more when they go into you. And it's blind casting covering miles and miles of water. <laughs> None of us got into this game because fly fishing was easy. We got into it because it was a challenge. It turns out the White River tailwater holds more than just stocker rainbows. 
Daly went on to explain his almost cult-like devotion to the White River. Think deliverance, but with John boats instead of canoes. And at the center of this aquatic orthodox are two deities, the almighty streamer and the holy brown trout. But these aren't your typical streamers or browns. They're way bigger. And according to the river's disciples, way better. Today, we're going to find out how this creed came to be and how those few devotees in northern Arkansas began breaking bread with those coveted monster browns. It's a story of exploration, failure, and teamwork. But really, it's an invitation to establish your own fishy religion. Stick around. Over another beer, Daly told me about his history on the White River. So, back in the mid-2000s, Daly was working at the local fly shop and guiding Texans to boatloads of stockard rainbows. But Daly and all the other fly guys knew that there were some monster browns in the river. Because they'd see the bait guys catch them. We'd always drawn the line of there are fish in this river which fly fishermen can get. And then there is the fish that only the bait fishermen can get. And a lot of those truly big fish that in the 20 pound, you may say 30 pound, those fish you wonder on how their habits, because trout don't grow that big normally. And the thought process has always been those fish live around trout resorts, the trout docks, and they feed on the clean fish every day. And the question was always, are they going to be active enough to feed on something moving? Or is that the province of the bait guys? But how exactly do you get those big garbage-eating fish to chase after a fly? Well, every once in a while, a fly fisher would. But whether or not they admitted it... They were raping them off the spawning beds. Because, quite honestly, that was the way that big fish used to get caught in Arkansas. You know, it's a bit like kissing your sister. <laughs> not, you're not going to tell anyone, are you? So, Daly and his friends spent hours thinking about how to legitimately catch these monster browns. And they were a bit frustrated because it just wasn't happening. And back in the 90s, before Daly had even been to Arkansas, a little-known fly fishing guide in Michigan named Kelly Gallup. And, I mean, I hear it all the time, well, you know, we aren't all streamer fishing. I've been doing that fucking dry fly thing before you were fucking alive. Was frustrated by these big browns as well. As you can tell, I've had to edit some of his tape. It was somewhere in the early 90s. And I can tell you what started the whole thing was I was watching a bass show, and it was Larry Nixon. He was a very famous bass angler. And he was doing what's called walking the dog, which is a stick bait that you pull on the surface and you make it pop back and forth. It's a topwater. They do this when the fish are set up in dour, which means they're low in the water because of water temperatures. And it's a reactionary bait, and they blow up on it, right? It just kind of flew in the face of everything I'd ever been taught. You know, when fish go deep, you go down to them. And he was saying just the opposite, how they set up and you make them come to the surface. And, of course, he gets this huge fish to blow up. And I thought, you know, it's the middle of July in Michigan, which is text season. And I thought, well, what the hell, I'll go try it. And I tied up this big stick bait. A big six, seven-inch fly. In the middle of the afternoon in July, down to the boardman where I grew up and pretty much thought I knew every fish on it <clears throat> and started just trying to walk the dog. You're trying to make it go back, left, right, left, right, left, right. And started trying to do that. And I couldn't really make it happen because the water's kind of fast and pushing the fly to the downstream side more. But I started cracking on the rod, just 
hitting it, trying to make it do stuff. The fish ate it on the surf, blew it up. I mean, just fucking annihilated it. And I got my first really huge daytime brown trout and in a river that I was pretty sure didn't have 20-inch fish in it to speak of. And this one was just shy of 27. And so I kind of went, holy shit, that just happened. I, it was a mistake because I know what the fuck I was doing, and I really wasn't trying to catch one. I figured if I got a 12-, 14-inch fish to jump up on it, it had been fun, right? It wasn't on purpose. So he ran back to his house and grabbed his snorkeling gear because he wanted to take a look in this river and see if there were any more of these fish down there. I came back the same day. By the time I'd finished that three-quarters of a mile dive, first thing I realized is there was a shit ton of 20-inch fish in the river. I saw my fish and another one like it, and there was a third one that was closer. Everything I'd ever thought, read, seen, I went, this is bullshit. I've been listening to stuff that wasn't right. I had to relearn everything. And so that's where it started with me. And then that subsequent five years before writing Modern Streamers, we just started rethinking everything. So Gallup publishes his book and puts big streamers on everyone's radar. But just because you can buy a book about big streamers doesn't mean you can catch big fish. And 10 years after Gallup caught that first Monster Brown, there weren't that many guys who knew how to target them with any great efficiency. But there were people trying, including a young up-and-coming guide in Michigan who was also haunted by thoughts of big brown trout. Got my groceries already done. Grocery shopping's done. Introducing Alex Lashkis. He's clean cut, not an ounce of fat on him, and most of all, he's intense. For most of the year, Alex guides on the Osable and Manistee Rivers in Michigan. I'm going to go for a boat ride, but it looks windy, and I've been out in the wind so much lately, I care less about it. Like I said, Alex knew Big Browns were in those rivers because he saw guys like Kelly Gallup catching them. But Alex and his friends still hadn't figured the whole game out. We were used to seeing a lot of 17 to 21s. But... 21 inches was about as big as they'd regularly catch. So to see if they could get some of these bigger fish to come out and play, Alex and his buddies began experimenting by tying up some bigger flies. A couple things came out of Michigan that were really important. One was Russ's circus peanut. The circus peanut is a big articulated mass of flashaboo, rubber legs, and schloppen, usually around six inches long, designed by Russ Madden. Because when we took that circus peanut down our smaller rivers that we fished, we noticed another age class and size class of fish coming out of wood piles. Now all of a sudden the 22, 24, 25, 26 inch fish started coming out of those wood piles for that little bigger flop. And when Alex saw those bigger fish, he was hooked on the streamer game. I mean, streamer fishing is for the 30 something ADD child. I mean, it's nonstop, go, 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 don't stop, you know? Which judging from how quickly Alex speaks, this describes him to a T. A couple years later, Russ and Alex meet this guy named Mark Sadati, and he introduces them to some striped bass flies, namely the Sadati Slammer. It's an 8-inch bait fish pattern tied with bucktail and flash. And I remember the first day that Russ took Mark down the Manistee, he saw the next level of fish come out. They were the 25, 26, 27, 28-inch fish that were all of a sudden now willing to make a play on that 8-inch fly that were never coming out. And so we, when we saw that, I started shifting how I was doing it. Alex made a pretty compelling argument for why these bigger flies were so effective with those bigger fish. 
fly tying changes when you get to seven, eight inch flies, especially on big rivers. They're an effective way to fish big open water, especially low density because you cover more water with each cast with a bigger fly. If you go out there with a three inch fly and you try to pick around every rock, you're gonna spend all day fishing 100 yards of river. If you run that seven, eight inch fly, you can cover distance, fish move from further for it. You can fish it a little bit more quickly and move through and cover enough water to find those fish. So Alex and his crew are tying these gigantic trout flies and having quite a bit of luck on Michigan's rivers. And through the grapevine, Alex hears about this river down in Arkansas that supposedly has some of those big, hard to catch brown trout that he loves so much. So Alex decides he should bring some of his Michigan shenanigans down to the White River. What I thought of was the time that we target and see our best big fish action up in Michigan is about a week to 10 days after they quit spawning, two weeks after they quit spawning. It's the post-spawn bite. It's a really heavy feed. And so we kind of targeted that because I knew that the spawning season was probably going to be trying to wrap up into February. Um, so we targeted that window. So February of 2009, Alex and two buddies drive down to Arkansas. So we just kind of came down here on a whim, brought our boats. But when they got to the white, they were greeted with some hesitancy. They stopped at a local fly shop. One of the guys over there said the white was too big and too high and there's too much water. You can't do it for a fly guys. Nope. It's a bait fishing river this time of year, you know, too much water. It's probably the biggest joke on the planet. Hell, 10 years ago, I had people telling me they wouldn't eat streamers on the white and the fly shops. It was funny. You know, like trout are different in one spot to the next. It'd be like saying, you know, grizzly bear won't eat you in this state, but he will in another one. And it's like, it's just stupid. <laughs> But Alex and his crew weren't discouraged. We stopped out at another shop, which is now Dally's, and we started BSing, and he's like, oh no, this is perfect water. This is what you want for streamer fish, and you need this high water. So we're like, all right, let's go give this a go. Here's Dally's take on meeting Alex. Uh, there was a guy came down from Michigan with three buddies, and we thought they were a little strange, Chad and I, because we talked to them, and they wanted to throw really, they were talking about throwing really big flies. Alex recalls his introduction to the white. I don't know that I not saw another fly fisherman. It was all bait fishing boats. And there was one bait fishing boat that we got chatting with because he kept catching big fish and a lot of the other guys weren't. And I'd see him at the boat launches and chat with them. And we showed him his, our, the flies we had. He was like, oh, you'll get them on that. Oh, yeah, you'll get them on that. That'll work. These guys usually don't catch any of them. Those will work. But did the big flies work? <laughs> it was... It, it, you know, we had slow days, and then we had a couple good days, and when we had good days, we could not believe the number of fish in the river. I mean, we were going down the river, and we'd move 30, 40 fish a day, 50 some days, and some of them were big. And when we saw that, it was just kind of like, oh, dear. Pretty quickly, they were running out of those big flies because the fish were snapping them off. Back to the vice. Okay, so we just started throwing stuff on a hook and getting the profile built up and getting a bigger fly. We're like, add some schlop. Try this, try that. You ever seen those jig hooks? No, oh, those jig hooks. You can spin that head on that. I mean, I think we ended up with three Tiemco number two hooks tied together with about a quarter ounce pack of marabou on it and a deer hair head and a cone. And those things would kill you, but we smoked fish on them. While Alex and company were just destroying these big browns, Dally was back in the fly shop, twiddling his thumbs, wondering how those bozos from Michigan were faring on the river. Well, Dally found out pretty quickly, because one day... We just started going down the first bank, and I blew up the rod on the hook set. And I was like, shit, that's my only eight weight. <laughs> so I called the shop, and Chad's like, hey, yeah, pull on over at this dock. It's right down below you. I'll drop you off an eight weight. Chad Johnson, one of Dally's co-workers and a well-respected guide in the area. 
And so he sent us an eight weight, and I'm talking to him. I'm like, oh, I wasn't even a big fish. It was only 23 inches or something. And they're like, you guys don't even respect a 23-incher, you know? And whatever. So he gave me a rod. We fished it out and started chatting. And that kind of where is where we really started talking more and more. Dally and Chad Johnson started asking questions. What are you getting these fish on? How are you doing? We were absolutely just mind-blowing. And those guys started seeing the picture, and they're like, what the hell is going on? They hadn't seen that. They hadn't seen that size of fish showing up and the fly guys catching them. When we showed them the size of fly, they were like, oh, dear. I'd never thought that that was potential. And Chad and I were kind of, how do we get in there on this? It, cha- it totally changed it from that point on. And it's never been the same since. That whole white fishery, if Alex hadn't broke that rod, if it wasn't for a, a unique comedy of errors, I don't know if it would still be fishing. A few weeks later, after Alex and his crew had gone back to Michigan, Chad Johnson went out with an eight weight and some giant streamers. Anyway, Johnson goes out 600 yards from the boat ramp. He scores a 27 inch fish. And the whole world changed right there. We kind of got smitten by this idea of holy grail of big fish. We got our asses kicked so often. We were doing all these sorts of things wrong. And for the past nine years, the fishing on the white has just been getting better. And from that point, we started to get really serious about it. And while this was going on, there was a whole groundswell across the country. But streamer fishing is cool. Streamer fishing is fun. It was funny. It, was, it, it changed. I've never seen something change so fast in my life. It's blown up now. Now it's the way to go. And the, the musky side came in, and a few of those guys, you know, Bowen, Chris Willen, and... and Nick Granato. These guys brought the tricks they had picked up while musky fishing and applied them to the white. And this sort of teamwork has been really essential to figuring out how to catch those big browns on the white. Quite honestly, the coolest thing about this whole streamer game is that we've had a core of guys who are all buddies, who all trust each other to say, this is what I did today, and this is how it's going to help you tomorrow. Because not a lot of guys do that shit. Especially because we're all independent. We don't. No one has to. And that's how we got very good at this very quick. Now, I want to make it clear that these guys didn't invent big streamer fishing. And these guys probably weren't the first to figure out how to catch those monster browns on the white on the fly. But Alex Lafkis, the crew at Dally's, and their giant streamers were the first to really put the White River on the map as a destination for huge trout on the fly. Alex now spends 10 weeks in Arkansas each winter guiding clients, many of whom are from Michigan. Dally's Fly Shop puts on an annual streamer love fest that routinely attracts more than 300 anglers, all on a river that 10 years ago was really known as just a put-and-take rainbow fishery in the middle of nowhere. Because I'm an Australian, I hate this winter cold. Like, <laughs> I really object to that shit. Australians, we were way smarter. We outlawed that shit a long time ago. So, I, you know, the only... I'd be in Florida if I didn't have... If I could avoid this sort of cold. The only reason that keeps me here are these big fish. Like we talked about, Gallup was fishing big streamers in the early 90s. And I'm sure there were guys before him as well. 
So why did it take so long for this whole big streamer thing to catch on? And I think most of it's, it's we're losing the old way of thinking. Everybody loves to fish dry flies. Nobody doesn't like to fish dry flies. But why would you pound your fucking dick against the door all day if they aren't eating them? Like, Jesus Christ, dude, how about a little bit of add an extra arrow to your quiver? Now, guys and girls, I mean, everybody's going, I just want to fish. The young generation, they want to learn. I mean, I had a kid send me an email five years ago, and he was in a shop, and he ordered three streamers. He wants to try them on the Delaware. He walks into a shop on the Delaware, and the guy tells him they don't eat those things on this river, and all you'll do is scare all the fish away. And he got a 19, a 21, and a 3, I think. Three really good fish. And he sends me the pictures, and the headline above it says, I don't shop there anymore. I mean, I can introduce you at 50 kids that have been around the world at 25 and guided in five different continents and have been guiding since they were 18, and they're like these mega superstars. They're unreal good, and they're not afraid to try anything. It might also add gear would fly in there too. It's suddenly they aren't going to turn to a pillar of salt if they do something besides fly fish. But there's another point to this story. And that takeaway is that there are still untapped rivers and fisheries like the White out there. I asked Alex what he thinks it's going to take to find the next White River. I think what it's going to take and what we're seeing is more people having the desire to go and try new fisheries and to explore them and to try new techniques to pull fish. There was never a book written on how to throw streamers on the White River. Me and my buddies came down, we figured some stuff out, we worked with some local guys, figured it out better and better and better. And there's a lot of these fisheries out there in the country, but people have to not be afraid to not catch a fish a day. Go learn something. Go somewhere you don't know. Take a chance. It's okay. That's kind of the fun part of fishing, and all these people just want to hand it to them now. Oh man, well I read on the internet I want to float from here to here, and it's going to take this long, and this is where the fish should be. You know, well obviously that's old news. If it's written about, everybody knows it. Why don't you try something different? Um, the southern tailwaters of Tennessee, George, I mean, all these other areas that have big trout. you got states doing more musky planting, so that stuff will help expand some of this river fishing. And, and the draw of this river fishing and this, it's predator fishing is what it is. I mean, it's, it's big, aggressive brown trout. It's muskies. It's big pike. You know, they're aggressive fish. They're the apex predator in the body of water. And I think that's what's drawing a lot of people. So as, as long as people keep trying and exploring and doing new things, you're going to see these fisheries pop up. Probably not to the extent of the white. <laughs> the white is probably the best big brown trout river in the world. But there's, a, there's stuff out there. So this is a challenge. Go out there and find it. Stick around for this week's Field Notes and scenes from our next episode. Many thanks to Steve Daly and Alex Lafkus for taking the time to chat. If you're at all interested in checking out the White River, give Daly a call at Daly's Ozark Fly Fisher. And though I didn't get a chance to hit the water with Alex Lafkus, you can tell that this guy knows how to fish. He's intense, but that means he's going to make sure that he does everything in his power to get you on that big fish. Kelly Gallup, thanks for the great chat. I should just play our entire interview at some point because he's a really funny dude. Cheers to my old man for floating the White River with me for a long weekend. I had a great time despite the broken rod. Phil Cook wrote our title track, and Keegan Lynch designed our logo. This week's field notes come to us from Steve Daly himself. 
Elliot, how you doing? Well, I just got off the river. Sorry, I, I forgot you were calling because I booked it. I, I had to fill in a trip for Chad. Yeah, we got a really fat 22-inch brown on a hopper this morning. The hopper bite has been exceptional. Seriously, that is a great fish. But I think we've had this year, I'm going to say, four fish that were caught between 26 and 28 inches by our guys on hoppers. It's an insanely good hopper bite. High, pretty consistent water, so it enables you. So the water's super clean. Um, it's really pretty out there. And it's coincided with a, a really good uh, bug cycle off the bank. And those fish are eating. Yeah, you know, we have a, we have a good hopper bite every year. Uh, late June, July, August, September. And it may even continue into October. But we're fishing like size fours, size sixes. We're trying to pick apart those, you know, 16 through 22 inch fish. Though they're focused on hoppers right now, the streamer bite will pick back up. I asked him how he thinks the fishing will be this winter. It's going to be a high water, so there's, you know, the wave fishermen aren't going to like it as much, but the streamer fishermen and so on, we're going to run. It's going to be a, it's going to be a spectacular year. Finally, I asked him about Streamer Love Fest. Last Saturday in January. Yeah, uh, that'll be fun, and uh, hopefully have a couple more interesting events for uh, next year too. I had a couple other fun things up my sleeve. To keep up to date with the things that Dally has up his sleeve, Check out their website, theozarkflyfisher.com. Thanks for the chat, Dally. Next week, we meet an old family friend of mine. Two weeks ago, there was a dead sheephead laying right there in the water, and that mink came down, and he dragged it up, up into this old rusty barrel that's up there on the shore. He dragged that sheephead into that barrel. That was, that was cool to see him tugging on that, tugging on that sheephead. That muskrat was right next to him there, and every once in a while, Mink would lunge at that muskrat. <laughs> Just because he could, I guess. Just because he could. Thanks for listening. This has been the Drake Cast.